0: Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Formation Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I also write about developing relationship with God at ryanhugley.com.
1: My name's Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Formation, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church.
0: MyXP. I've never heard you say it like that. I...
1: It like means something to me, uh-huh. but sometimes I want like I was just on with someone, yeah, uh, on a Zoom, and I was like they're brand new with my uh-huh. XP, and I was like, all right, so go to your browser and type in MyXP.church, church, and that just didn't like tr- like they were trying to like spell it out, it just didn't translate well, yeah, so. no. M-Y-X-P dot church.
0: It's real dangerous when you become comfortable with something totally. to forget how does this actually sit with, like, from a first impression standpoint, there's mm-hmm. just a lot of things that can be confusing. Well,
1: and not to totally derail, but do you remember where the name came from?
0: I Well, I don't know. Remind me. Now I'm afraid I'm going to say something. Maybe I misremember it.
1: So... A lot of executive pastors have a very like stoic, you know, they're like the spreadsheet guys, the mm-hmm. numbers guy. They're the pe- person who has to let people go and all yeah. of that. And so in the brand itself and in the name, I wanted to soften it a little mm-hmm. bit. And for some reason, as we were thinking about it the or and talking about what it would be called, um, what kept going through my mind was my buddy that like,
0: My buddy and me,
1: yeah, the Doll for Boys. Yeah, my buddy, my wherever he goes, that Doll for Boys. (laughs) Well, well, I mean, it was it was like totally was it really was the Doll
0: for Boys is what they should have called it.
1: Uh, And then there was Kid Sister, my buddy and Kid Sister. But at any rate, so it's my XP because wherever you go, I'm gonna go. That's a little creepy, but we're here to help you solve problems. So anyway.
0: Moving along. (laughs) And the company's done. All right. Well, we are in a series of conversations discussing the unique value that's accessible to smaller churches and in smaller churches. We hear so much about the obvious value in large churches. And it's large churches that tend to get so much press because of the big things that they are able to do. More people, more money, more... um, uh, resources in general. So there's just more and bigger that they're able to do. And so the assumption is that they are therefore better much of the time. Sure. And, and so what we don't believe that that's necessarily true. And so right. you're having just a bunch of conversations about some of the unique value that is offered within smaller communities.
1: Totally. Cause you just can't compete with the polish. I mean, I have a buddy that was visiting some church that I hadn't heard of, but I mean, it's massive. There's like this screen that wraps around the whole stage. I mean, there were thousands of people and yeah. like he was just posting pictures of like the worship service and you're yeah. like.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's a different that world. Is, that is something else. Than the tiny corner that I sit the in on a stool chairs. hoping yeah, not to yeah, fall yeah, off for my sure.
1: two inch stage. And I like grainy streaming that that's goes right. to the kids' room. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So anyway.
0: Well, we, I mean, all joking aside, we do at this time pastor a smaller church here yep. in Salt Lake Pit, uh, Salt Lake City, as most people who listen to us know. Um, and so we've got all of our own challenges and limitations that come with that. But I'm curious, as you, we both really, we've been talking a lot lately about how much we do mm. love the community that God has entrusted to us. And so I'm just curious, when you step back right now and you think about formation everything Mm -hmm. we've been through Um, we're going to talk about change today and we've been through an immense amount of transition so when you just step back even in this moment and think about something that you really love about what you're seeing at formation right now I'm just Mm -hmm. curious what comes up for you
1: yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that the size affords is a level of intimacy amongst, like, the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, when we uh, both were pastoring a large church in North Carolina, like, I I knew nowhere near the number of people I know today. Totally. Um, because I don't know how you begin. I don't know how you break in. Like, people kind of sit in their quadrants, and there was all these different areas and not like i feel like we have one thing happening. Yeah. and i love it. i yeah. love that it's one thing and and even a great kind of microcosm and this would also be something that i love but we had a new couple mm-hmm. who just found us on the internet yeah. visit a couple weeks ago and i mean <laughs> the number of people who came up to talk to me about what they learned about those new people what went through my head was like all right, so those people are either going to feel so welcome or so bothered mm-hmm. by what, because, because I mean, literally, like, front because they came and they got talked to by a bunch of different people, and then uh, someone was even telling me they saw one of our people like chase them out to the car because they didn't get to say hi. <laughs> and genuinely, I was like, uh, I was talking to um, one of the people who serves on production, and I was just, I asked her, I was like do we believe those people will come back? And yeah. she's like, I bet we get them at least once more. Yeah. And they did. And, and yep. now they've like provided their info and all of that. But I just think and they confirmed
0: for me, um, they're coming back again this week. Awesome.
1: I mean, that's amazing. And I think, but what that does is like, um, again, because I didn't even know a ton of people. I mean, we had like 72 different entrances. Yeah. I mean, it was impossible to even put someone on each of them. Um, you could have come in and left and not had any idea. So I think that just like recognizing, like everybody knows. And if you're like, like on top of the world, everyone's going to know. And if you're having a rough day, everybody's going to know and it just creates a sense of authenticity mm-hmm. that I really believe that people are looking for yep. and even the people who are like trying to avoid it like the plague somewhere they have this longing for oh, especially totally. after you know being you know isolated and all of that through COVID I think people are genuinely like they want to feel like known sure. and they want to know yeah and I just believe that that's happening at our church in a way I don't think I've ever seen before in my life.
0: Yeah, I agree with. You. Yeah, mine mine would be closely related to that. And it does come out of I would say <clears throat> a potential landmine that exists in the small, intimate thing is it's just very easy then to become inwardly focused. Mm. And so the thing that I was the most encouraged by was both like this, I was thinking about this new couple as well, not just their first week, but the second week, seeing how many people circled back around to them. Mm And because I will say just full disclosure, their entrance was awkward because, you know, for people that I can't even remember if we've talked about this on here yet, but we, we bake in a 25 minute, uh, time of connection into our service. So online, it says our service starts at 10 o'clock and that's because coffee and donuts, people are here and hanging out and connecting, but we don't like start singing in the way that people would think traditionally of the service sure. starting until about 1025. Yep. Well, this poor couple, God bless them, they read 10 on our website and they were very diligent and they came about 15 minutes early. Yeah. So they were there, I mean, real close to a full hour <laughs> before we were going <laughs> to actually start singing. Mm-hmm. And they came and they sat down and to your point, people were so great, you know, with yeah. them and I mean, people spent so much, they had plenty of time to yeah. sit with this couple, but I was like, they are either going to leave this experience mm-hmm. feeling so loved or thinking I'm never coming back here before. And they did come back. And I was just so pleased to watch how people were unwilling to just sit and be focused on their quote unquote friends and sure. instead really seemed to care about making this this you know new couple feel very very welcome and so i i mean i i would feel quite confident while they might have found it a little bit awkward i'm having coffee with them this weekend so i'll find out yeah yeah because um, i really want to know me too but um, there's no way they they could have left feeling like those people don't care that we were there, right? And I and that's or really nobody
1: noticed me. Nobody yeah. says hello. And
0: I would say the thing that encourages me about that is I do feel like the last six months has felt a little bit like we've had to circle the wagons, yeah. to get through transition, and it, we have been more inwardly, uh, rightfully and understandably so. Like we needed to get through a transition, totally. But I have had then in the back of my mind this like, are we going to come out of this?
1: Oh yeah. Well, and I mean, even the fact that we haven't seen many for visitors, you know, I think that's the other thing that causes people to circle the wagons is when you like, just don't experience anything else. But I mean, we had, I mean, it was hard to even keep up with our schedule. Like you went to one church and it, like the URL redirected you to another one and you had to like read this whole story to even understand what was going, you know. And so there was just a period of time in which, you know, I think, I always think of like. Uh, you know, before you invite company over, like make sure your like place is put together. Yeah. Um, and we needed to put the place together. Totally. So <laughs> we were put together
0: our kitchen was a hot people, mess. Oh
1: man, <laughs> for sure.
0: Well, I think that's a that's a great segue into what we want to talk about today, which is change. So, <clears throat> change. Can be like even that word, I think probably strikes a little bit of dread in the hearts of some leaders because of how hard change is just personally for people, but then also on the leadership front, how difficult it is to actually lead change. Um, And so change is just objectively hard, but both in theory and in our experience, it can be easier to lead change well in smaller communities. Yeah.
1: And you just have to know, I like, there are just some people who abhor change. Totally. I, I regularly say to the pastors, I support, you could stand out front handing out hundred dollar bills as people entered. And you're going to have a whole slew of meetings with people who are like sideways about why we're doing that. Like, it just doesn't matter what is happening when anything changes, especially within the church. Yeah. Um, But I think that's even true. Like, I don't know, like when my favorite restaurant takes my preferred item off the menu, it's just so annoying, you know, that kind of thing. And so people just kind of get into a pattern of behavior and they feel, you know, and so uh, absolutely like, it's going to be easier and like you just have to know like there are just some people who the moment like and 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 i don't know if uh not to derail but i don't know if you like comment on this but one of the things um that i think you started and we do a really good job of talking about with change is Mm -hmm. we always refer to it as an experiment yeah let's experiment with this yeah um, because because just sometimes that word the ch word yeah people just get on edge
0: yeah I think ex- experimenting I think what it does that why why that word is both accurate and a more subversive word to mm-hmm. use is because the implication is well if this experiment fails yeah. we just go back to what is right and so it I think it just provides a little bit of comfort and yeah. and removes a little bit of the need for people to mourn the loss of yeah. what was. Just a little taste. Yeah, Let's yeah. Just we're just going to experiment like if it, it. works and and that I means and some stuff works and some stuff doesn't. Right. And that's for okay. Sure. So we've I mean we've been leading I mean, we've been leading things together for a very long time, but mm-hmm. we have been serving local churches, you know, as lead pastor, executive pastor now since 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. And in that time, we've let, done this in three different churches together, um, and we've had to lead some really big change. Mm-hmm. And so we've led through, um, I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you how many venue changes we've led through, not off the top of my head anyways. Um, we led through- All um, of them. All, yeah, all of the venues. <laughs> just We've been all in almost every kind mm-hmm. of venue. Yep. Um, we have led through uh, a merger mm-hmm. that ended up falling apart. A and, failed merger. Yeah, yep. a failed merger in the eleventh hour that mm-hmm. was just terribly painful mm-hmm. to go through. Um, and then most recently, and probably at least for me, I think about most significantly, we led through the relaunch of shutting down Ridgeline, the church we planted here in Salt Lake, and then coming back as Formation Church. Yep. And and that was especially, you know, coming out of a pandemic and all of that. I mean, it was not not a small undertaking. And there were many moments that we were like, well, I, we're not sure this is gonna work. Right. For sure. So <clears throat> I, I think I say all that to say like we 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 talk about this from a place of experience and yep. and, and are very familiar with the ins and outs of all of this. Mm-hmm. And in that I would still say and I think the language here is really important. Change in a smaller church can be easier. Yeah, it's not always. No, but it it can be. And I would I would I mean I would probably go so far as to I'm I'm careful about this word, but I would say it should be easier. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think if especially if things are healthy, like it should be easier to lead a change in a smaller community than a large one. Totally. So so let's just give two, two reasons before we get into some practical advice on how to actually lead change. Let's just talk about why it can be a little easier. And I'll go first. I, I would say that um, communication in particular is just so much less complicated in a smaller community. Mm. And 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 the key to leading change, I, I would argue if there is one thing that I wouldn't, this is from, you. you might feel differently about this because we kind of lead from two different vantage points. But sure. I would say from my seat, Communication is the key to change. Like, you have to communicate with people. People have to understand, sure, like yeah. what is going on. And the smaller your community, just the less complicated that is. Like you can, depending on your size, you might literally be able to meet with every single person individually in your church Mm -hmm. to walk them through why a change is necessary. If nothing else, you know, if you're a church of 100 or 200, just communicating with that number of people and the systems required is just less complicated than, you know, 2,000, 3,000 and, oh yeah, and up
1: from there. yeah. Because if you've got several thousand people and you send out an email and you see the open rate was ten percent, <laughs> right? You have not made a dent, right? So when that change happens, you are going to have a lot of problems. Yeah, so yeah it's and more that, difficult.
0: And that's kind of my point: is you have to also like. Uh, in larger communities, you have to communic- uh, communicate across so many platforms to sure. get everybody. That I mean, that alone is just an un- unbearable task
1: at times. Absolutely, and I think um, you know if you're in a larger group, uh, so you know the argument could be said. Well, but you have all these staff members yeah. to uh, help assist in that communication. I think the challenge with that is um, how well. Yeah, Do they good. understand and articulate the change yeah. in a way that, like, actually um, conveys it yeah. and also conveys it accurately? Yeah. Because I think that it's real possible mm-hmm. that you can, you know, make that kind of commitment or make that, you know, kind of comp- have that conversation A staff member might really well intended, not even in a kind of facetious way. And then all of a sudden it's like, nah, that was like only 10% right. And now I got to follow up, you know, I remember
0: conversations with staff members, not even, I mean, when we were in North Carolina, we were leading a lot of change. And so there was a lot of this. And I remember conversation with staff members where they're like, Hey, I had a conversation with so-and-so, and this is what they asked. And this is what I said. And I just remember thinking, well why'd you say it like that? Yeah. Or or like or what about this really massive piece that's like the whole thing that you didn't right. mention to this person? Totally. And so yeah, that's a really good point I hadn't thought of. Having to entrust the communication of that sure. to a wider circle of people is is scary. Yeah. Because yeah. not everybody is super adept at that. But what else would you say It can make it easier?
1: Yeah, I think the, a second one would just be that the pace of change can be quite a bit faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a friend one time I worked with at Starbucks and he talked about just the reality of leading. Uh, so we were district managers and had, uh-huh. you know, there were different times where I had up to 35 stores as yep. we were going through some change as a company. And he was just talking about, man, you know, when it's your own store, if you want to do something, you know, maybe you're a store that doesn't do dress code and you want to do dress code. You just like make it clear and hold people accountable, and that's yeah. it. Um, and so he ta- he referred to that as like driving a speedboat. So yeah. if you want to turn the wheel on, like, or we're gonna start. You know, I remember when Starbucks wanted uh, names on cups and that was Mm -hmm. an ordeal. But, you know, as the store manager, if you wanted to make that change, it was pretty easy for you to ensure that that happened Uh, as a district manager. And you had a much bigger situation. You had several hundred partners that you reported to all of those kind of or that reported to you. um, It was more like a cruise ship, you know, that that you it's very unlikely. What, as you're on a cruise ship, you probably make all kinds of turns and and go from here and there, and you probably don't even notice it because it's so gradual and has to be done by such a small degree yep. that it's very 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 slow. And um, and so on one end, you're less likely to spin anyone off the boat mm-hmm. uh, by by uh, changing so slow. On the other end, sometimes you have to change so slow. Yeah. That one would argue, did you really change? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you go back to the I very about beginning, that a lot. but I think even even in our situation, I mean, I think about the renaming uh, and and really relaunching of our church, and uh, we certainly had a, a handful of conversations that led to it, but it was like one pointed conversation one afternoon, yep, and we were off to the races, yep. and within a few weeks we were. I mean, we had a logo, yep. we had you know, a URL and we had uh, training scheduled and all of that because you were able to literally meet with the large majority of people who were committed parts of our church right um, make sure that they didn't have any questions and and go and that's what we did so, yeah. yeah
0: and the benefit to that is I mean one is if you are a more entrepreneurial leader like you're a church planter or something like that my guess is one of the things that's true of you is you're not super pa- patient mm-hmm. and that can be one of the great challenges mm-hmm. of, of change in larger organizations is you got to be so patient and admittedly that was really hard for me. in a a larger environment, coming from the world of church planting to a large established church that had like 45 years of history, Mm -hmm. the, the, the rate of change was much more unnat felt unnatural to me. Like, why does this have to take so fricking long? Totally. Um, and I remember when we were at redemption in Chicago, you used to ask anytime we were going to do something you'd be like, well, when do you want this done? And my answer was always yesterday would mm-hmm. be great and and so a lot of people are wired like that yeah and so the great so that's one thing I think another thing on the pace of change would be there is the benefit of our church got to hear a vision conveyed to them and within three months they were experiencing that that vision totally. whereas in a larger place like you might announce it and it might be two years oh yeah and then to your point it's just kind of like you didn't even really notice, which again, there's advantages to, but the downside is like we needed in our situation, we needed a stark change, like, yep. and it needed to happen quickly. Yeah, and you couldn't do that in a way that does. I mean, potentially doesn't kill your church, right? In a in a much larger environment. Yep. So, all right. Well, let's talk about we've been trying to end these with some more practical just points of advice. And so as we talk about leading change, let's just walk through a little bit of practical advice here. Uh, The first one that I would say is uh, know that every change demands a draw. Mm -hmm. So anytime you're going to change something like, and I've heard people talk about this in different ways, but like one thing I've heard people talk about is uh, like, as a leader, do you have the chips? Mm-hmm. to cash to make this change because sure. it's going to require a draw. And and I would say, you know, if you're in a season as a church where your church is just – hanging by a thread as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's the morale. We've done a whole series on morale. If your morale is terribly low, it could be that the solution is, well, we need some kind of change, mm-hmm. which we did in our case. Sure. The solution could be, don't change anything right now. Sure. Because <laughs> you make a change and you might, you know, buck people off a ship that they're barely holding on to in the first place. Sure. And so uh, just know, like, even if it's good, like all of the change that we have made in the last six to eight months has been very 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 good. And mm-hmm. it was very very draining. And and I still have conversations every week with people right now that still feel a little disoriented. And so because of the change that's taken place, mm. and so like I know we're really in a place where what God's inviting us to and what leadership looks like is just letting the dust settle yeah. from transition.
1: Yeah, we're not changing a lot anytime no. soon. Good Lord, what else uh, is there to change? Right, yeah. there, There is a, And I also think, um uh, I don't know what I also think. That's all right. It doesn't matter. We'll all take right. us
0: to our second point yep. then.
1: So number two is to communicate a lot, especially the why. Yeah, um, you're great at this. And I think... It's just so important that everyone understand and and um, when you're going through change, it cannot be communicated too much. I just don't believe that that's possible. I think that it should be a point of every conversation. It should be you know, and I think. if, if it's significant change happening in your organization, I mean, that's typically the bond that ties you with these other people. Mm-hmm. And so it's natural for it to come up. And so I think as a leader, you need to be really, really careful um, not to feel defensive, not to feel um, exhausted, not to feel like I just can't talk about this anymore. Right. Well then don't change yeah. <laughs> because people are going to have questions and it might be the same people asking you the same questions, like worded a different way. And you might mm-hmm. feel like I have already mm-hmm. provided an answer to this. Yeah. Um, and I think that we have to continue to just, uh, help people understand what is happening and why.
0: Yep. That's really good. Um, I, I think a third one that I'd say is make sure that you get all the players to the table, not just the vision people. Mm. And, and here's what I mean by that. I, a lot of the time, it's it's vision people, and in, in most church environments, this is going to be a lead pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's become increasingly common for the full title of a lead pastor to be like lead pastor for vision and teaching, mm-hmm. that those are the two primary sure. things that you're responsible for. So oftentimes, change is led by a primary leader's vision at the top. And oftentimes when you have a new or a fresh vision, it's like a very, it's, it's kind of like a baby Sure. and you're very protective of it. And yeah. rightfully so, I would say in, in cultivating vision, you have to be very careful about how quickly and who you share it with because sure. the wrong person at the wrong time could kill it before it can come to fruition. Totally. But, but I have also seen. That many visionary, you know, quote unquote, lead pastors don't really like to include voices Mm -hmm. that are going to have questions about, like, okay, well, how do we actually do that? Sure. Or, you know, have you thought about some of the obstacles that, right. that come How with this? How much will this cost? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, I, and then as a result, you end up a lot of the time, and I, I've seen this, especially in ministries that have a lot of high turnover, like lead person stays at the top, but there's turnover everywhere else. Mm-hmm. I have found it often has to do with a primary leader who's not very good at bringing other people into the process mm. and instead just runs them ragged by coming up with half-baked ideas and then telling them now go do it without Mm -hmm. involving them in the process. Totally. And so I would say, as you are working through change, make sure that you are bringing in the actual people who are responsible for implementing the change. Mm -hmm. Make sure that they are a part of the conversation either in a group setting or one-on-one I could care less how it happens, but just that it happens.
1: Yeah. And make sure that those are like problem solving people. Yeah, that's good. Not just like problem observing people. Yeah. Because I think that sometimes, uh, those people who hate change cloak themselves as like the devil's advocate Uh or, you know, like the voice of reason or something like that. And, um, you know, you're, you have to make change. I think about the changes that we had to make. And we had some of those along the way. And I didn't have answers for all mm-hmm. of it. Like, how is this going to work? Are we going to hear the kids as they're playing? Are, like, and every time I was like, I hope not. And right. I would smile and walk away yeah. <laughs> because there wasn't another option. And so I think you have to be honest with people. Um, and and there were, there were regular times where I was just like, well, If they do, we'll have to come up with another plan. And we we ran into something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So our kids, our older kids are meeting in what used to be like our warehouse space. And so the HVAC isn't great. Long story short, somehow the HVAC like comes in over our upstairs area where the babies are and made it like 1000 degrees. (laughs) Right. And so we had to quickly like, uh, thankfully, one of the people in our church is really... Gifted at kind of the handy stuff, and so he's like, "Let's get some fans and, and install those." Solver. Yeah, and a good problem solver. And it, you know, he got some fans and installed those, and by God's grace, it worked. Because I didn't have a plan B. Yep. we would have had to come up with one, just like cut holes in the ceiling. I don't know, but regardless, yep. I just think that uh, you have to make sure that, like. Uh, it's not just, cause I think sometimes people hear that and they feel like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to invite this person who's always like got like an ax to grind or always has like a point that I didn't think about. That's not always yeah. the most helpful. You have to have people who are like, even if I'm not sure I understand everything, like I'm in it. And I think, uh, we were blessed that I think the entire team, including me, um, was in that boat. I don't really know for sure if mm-hmm. this will work, but we have to move forward because yeah. the other option, and I would regularly remind people as we were all tired and had put in a lot of work, I would remind them like, it's either this works or we're done. Yeah. And no one wanted that. Yeah. It's not like we were like leaving the good option on the table because we were gluttons for punishment. Mm-hmm. Like we, it had to this work. This was the option. Yep. yep. And so that's where it was helpful to have all those players. Yep. But I
0: do think just, I want to highlight what you just said, like the, the really pay attention to the difference between someone who just identifies problems mm-hmm. and someone who's a problem solver because yep. the former is just a cantankerous jerk. Oh yeah. That is going to drain your soul dry. Totally. So that's just not helpful. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Uh, I think the next one is give people uh, ample opportunity to understand and ask questions or share doubts. Yeah. Um, and I, I alluded to this earlier, but you just, uh, as much as you're absolutely right, a new idea or a new vision is like an infant that you have to get, take Uh care of and protect. Um, You also need to know that just because people have doubts or aren't sure or have questions, it doesn't mean they're against you. It doesn't mean they're Mm -hmm. against the plan. It's how some people process. Um, And also like some people, like uh, given the instability our world has faced in the last few years, like thrusting more instability upon them is not something people are like really excited to look look for.
0: It's really good. Um,
1: And so I think that we just have to, allow that to happen. For me, I, I don't like, I know ch- some churches do like an open forum thing or like a mm-hmm. members meeting thing. I think that that is ridiculous. I just think it uh, can easily go so awry mm-hmm. um, and kind of that mob mentality can exist uh, among some people. I really think it's always important to like just engage with people one, two, three, uh, talk to them, see what, you know, and, and come into it like, um, opening the conversation up for those doubts and those questions. And like, you know, do, you know, do you have any worries that like mm-hmm. we might not all fit? Do you have any worries about the kids or like the infants are upstairs mm-hmm. and the big kids are downstairs and like, what are your concerns there? And, mm-hmm. that, and, and really, um, flesh it out, really kind of like poke all the holes in the bag to make sure that everything that's in gets out. Because, uh, if you do that effectively, those people can actually become an agent for the change that's happening because they can take the conversation conversations that you've had with them and Mm -hmm. like have those with others. And granted, just like the telephone game, it might be a couple pieces removed, but the more that, um, people can be aware of the answer to those obstacles that come up, uh, the more likely that's going to spread throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might have to judge it or, you know, uh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we're going to build like a tree house in the warehouse, but right. you know, or whatever the yeah. case might be. Um, but I think uh, just putting yourself in a situation where like people feel safe to do that and also that you don't, um, I think it's real easy in that kind of vision stage to get real Sensitive about it and real defensive, and it's so important that you recognize. Like, it's my job to like help people feel calm. Not my job to help people feel like they got their hand slapped because mm-hmm. they just had a question.
0: Yeah, and I would just, I think, coming back to what you were saying about forums and members meetings, I think the the like you you might be in a tradition that demands you have a members meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, like sure. or yeah. bylaws the that bylaws demand that or whatever, it, yeah. <clears> so you might have to. But I think, I think the thing to think about is is how do I have the, like, how do I, I, maybe the question is, how do I position people to be able to truly understand? Sure. And, and I think the reason that I would say that a big forum can be a dangerous way to do that is that it only takes one cantankerous person to whip up a mob, totally. yep. and then and the, and it's not a matter of like. Well, it sounds like you're just trying to control uh, people's response. It's not about control. It's about are people in a position to understand? Right. And if you have this big group meeting that turns into like a big hot mess, sure. then no one is in a position to be able to truly understand and yep. understand. Like, and, and I would argue agreement is not always the goal, but understanding is. Totally. Like, you don't need everyone to agree with every change, but people do, do have a fair complaint if they don't understand it. Totally. Yep. Um, let's see. Number five. Lastly, make sure that you have a well-rounded plan and and know that you're going to, and I'll let you unpack this because this yeah. is language that you use is plan, do, check, adjust. Mm-hmm. But just in general, make sure, especially like the bigger the change, the more developed the plan, thought through the plan does need to be. A lot of, uh, of, of especially new leaders, but just a lot of church leaders in general can be guilty of the like ready fire aim yep. uh, mentality. Yeah. And and especially when it comes to change that is sizable, it's going to be really important that you aim prior to shooting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that you have to like, what's the, maybe it's a phrase you say, or maybe it's just one that exists, something about like plan and pencil. Is that like, yeah, yeah? yeah. I, I, I mean, I think you that, can
0: erase. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: absolutely. And I just think you do have to have a fully fleshed out plan. And I think that we did and we didn't have all the, uh, obstacle solved. We didn't have all the, you know, the problems, you know, addressed. Mm -hmm. And so as new ones presented themselves, um, we had to adjust. I, I mean, I even think of like the physical layout of the space. I had an idea for one layout and thankfully I'm not the handy one or the one who can like see it. I mean, I even had to lay down like painter's tape, Uh, where I thought it would go just to, like, understand. And it took someone else to come in and look at it and be like, well, you know, the kids don't need access to both bathrooms. They really only need access to the one. So why don't we, like, build the wall this way? It allowed for more seating, Mm -hmm. which is, like, a huge premium for us. Um, But, I mean, like, like, there's evidence of that because that, like, painter's tape somehow pulled up the the stain on the concrete. I mean, we had, like, service master come in. And they polished it all and looks great. And I asked her, and she's like, yeah, believe it or not, painter's tape will pull the stain right off concrete. It's probably going to be there forever. So we know about our <laughs> our plan in pencil or with tape. Uh, just make sure it's not painter's tape on That's concrete. Right. But I think the point being, like – you have to, you know, you plan, you do, and then you check in and you adjust the plan and you yep. plan and do and check in and adjust the plan. I mean, at one point I wanted to like flip the stairs because I just thought, well, I don't know, how hard can that be? Um, that would have killed us all dead and I'm mm-hmm. not sure we'd still be open for church. So, yep. um that wasn't a good idea. That just got nixed. Like in the initial walkthrough, it was like, mm, no, nah, I don't. I don't think yeah. we're doing that. So I think, and and that's not to say I still think it's a good idea. We yeah. might get it done at some point, but. That's the whole, and we're always, I think, regardless of what you're doing, but especially in ministry, plan, do, check, adjust, plan, do, and it's just like this cyclical thing that happens over and over again, um, because if you're so married to the fact that your idea is the best one ever, um, you are going to really miss the need to check and adjust, and you're going to lose people because uh, a good plan is not a great plan yet, Mm -hmm. but it could have been.
0: Yeah, that's really good. That was a strong, I feel like that was a real strong period at the end of that. You feel good about it?
1: I do, actually.
0: (laughs) I do. I can tell (laughs) by your face. You are the worst.
1: Why don't you just (laughs) let me have my things? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to start calling you out on all your stuff.
0: Uh. That's the difference. I'm pleased with everything I say. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully some of that is helpful to you. uh, And as always, we want to thank you for listening to From the Field. If somebody comes to mind that you think might benefit from this conversation, we'd be honored if you'd share that with a friend. But as a reminder, From the Field is really only one branch of Tyler and I's ministry together. So you can learn more about Formation Church at FormationSLC.com. You can subscribe to my newsletter at RyanHugley.com, as well as find me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H U G U L E Y.
1: And you can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D R E W I T Z. And you can learn more about MyXP at myxp.church.
0: Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.